0: It's it's sunny in England. Is it? Yeah. You wouldn't know it, but there's a tiny window. You inside. wouldn't know it. <laughs> not from my not from my screen. Um what's it like where you guys are?
1: <laughs> it's sunny and windy. Is it? Mm-hmm. It's it's sunny. I haven't been out, so I don't know what it is.
2: <laughs> the weather here's actually been super weird in the Pacific Northwest like yesterday we had snow and hail and then and then I drove a little bit and there was a bright sunny sky and then you could look out and see the clouds forming and watch the you know the landscape was just being obliterated by this torrential storm that made everything blurred out you couldn't see the mountains and it's very weird weather. Hmm. Yeah drama weather drama (laughs) well good morning everybody Welcome to Solid Ground live stream April 3rd. No, 3rd. Is that right? Mm-hmm. April 3rd, uh, 2023. And today we are joined by Deborah Knox. So happy to have you, Deborah. Thank you. Deborah is a part of our Solid Ground community, and um, Jody's missing, she's going to miss a couple of these live streams going forward for a little bit. And um, we thought it would be really fun to have Deborah join us to join in the chat, and i um, so happy you're here.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm very excited.
2: <laughs> well, David, do, would you like to start us off with the intro to Solid Ground?
0: Yep, let's get the blurb on. So Solid Ground is a peer support community for anyone concerned about the imposition of critical social justice, CSJ, aka woke, and or COVID mandates in their workplace, university, children's school, or community. We offer weekly online peer support groups in which members share ideas, thoughts and support for how to navigate the impact of these ideologies and answer the question, where do we go from here? You can join one of our groups for only $5 per month. To find out how to join our community, please visit SolidGroundSupport.com. And please note, Solid Ground does not provide psychotherapy or legal advice and nothing we do should be construed as such. Thanks very much.
2: Thank you. How have your groups been lately?
0: Good. I, I've really enjoyed the last sort of, I guess, month or so of groups. Um, particularly Well, I, I always enjoy them, but I think there's a sense in which people are, I don't know, getting getting a bit sort of more restless with maybe just thinking about talking about the problems of woke more. Maybe more thinking. There seems to be a stirring of well, let's let's think about what we do want to talk about. What is it that we really do want to focus our time on now? Because Instead of being anti-something, we want to be pro-something eventually. And I think there's just this sort of feeling, I think. I'm not just getting it in the groups either. It's actually happening on my course a bit too. I think there's a sense in which people find some of this stuff, um, yeah, not nourishing. So it's a case case of, right, well, if we're not going to do this, what are we going to talk about a a bit more? That's what I'm noticing anyway. So it's led to some kind of fun conversations, some quite sort of deep um, thoughts about... (laughs) where to go what would be a useful thing to ponder and yeah i don't know i just found it quite interesting
2: it's like a woke fatigue or anti-woke fatigue
0: yeah but we can
2: only talk about this stuff so much
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. how about you jennifer
3: oh the groups are great it's really um really interesting we um yeah. People are connecting really well. It's so nice because people come to the group that have never been before, but they hit it off with other group members instantly. And we have really interesting conversations. And I feel like I'm learning a lot from being in the groups. Um, yeah, it's great.
2: That's awesome. And Deborah, you've been doing it for a long time, haven't you? You were
3: I've going to a coming. lot of
1: them. Um, I yeah. won't say all of them, but I'm still seeing, seeing the same thing that David's sort of talking about where either either we're kind of even going back further, like what is motivating greater things in the society, like, oh, technology, or, you know, it's it's like, we're not just focused on this, there's like bigger dynamics and what do we think about those things? And then, yeah, I do see people's more creative stirrings or um, further talking about beauty after that topic had come up. And so um, I like it, it's, it's, it feels enriching. It feels like we are leaning into something more forward moving and, um, it, and it feels more hopeful, I'd say. Oh, I really like
2: that. I just realized that I, I gave you a very, very um, inadequate introduction. Would you mind giving a little bit of an intro for yourself and oh, talk okay. a little bit about. <laughs> i
1: I've give it yeah. probably brief. I mean, yeah. I came to all of this as someone who had been a, you know, a lifetime liberal progressive, very, very steeped in that. Um, who probably in the previous number of years had started to, for various reasons, looking into other perspectives other than my own, I kind of received all my values and views in a rather sort of um, knee-jerk fashion, if you will. And so even prior to sort of that 2016 political moment, I'd already been starting to think about you know, other people's points of view. And then after Trump came in, after my initial, I'm, I can't get out of bed for a couple, of days, whatever sort of thing, I must admit I had that. Um, I started seeing all the polarization going on and that was of concern to me. And so I got involved with Braver Angels, which tries to understand perspectives, red and blue. I was a moderator there. And so it was slowly opening up my worldview. And then it was, I think that, you know, 2020 combination of um, the killing of George Floyd and COVID, all of those different things that made me suddenly go, wait a minute, I'm not sure I really don't know if I'm unsure I'm on board with what I always was going with or the way my side is seeming to go with things. And being isolated during the pandemic, I just went down many, many different rabbit holes, started listening, especially say to black conservatives, like getting like, oh, there's a whole other perspective here. And that opened up to all of these different topics of wokeness. I don't have children in the school system. I have my own business. So things aren't happening in that domain, but I had a lot of time on my hands. So then I just started seeing, where all these different things were spreading i had quite a degree of alarm and also wasn't sure about speaking about about it i wasn't sure how to do it in a way that i could might speak to my side or something like that so i've just been slowly inching my way there mostly pushing viewpoint diversity as as a value and not treading into any particular topics too closely mm-hmm.
2: so it sounds like it was the clamping down of discourse that really caused you to shift your perspective like feeling that things polarized so much was yeah
1: well even back then I don't think there was so much clamping number mm-hmm. of years ago it was just more like I, I couldn't bear to see lots of division um and I also have a I guess I developed my own sort of personal practice around um realizing I don't know everything and I purposefully put myself in front of views that I don't know or understand or even thought I disdained or something and I have like a sort of it's like a mission like I must, there must be some reason I'm, I want to get why this person holds this. What were the, was their life experience? Like I'm missing something. If I don't get this mm-hmm. about this person, mm-hmm. I might not go all on board or something, but like, like a piece of information in the universe <laughs> is here. <laughs> and so I ought to know what it is. And, um, and see, it's a lot of it is an integration kind of thing for me, mm-hmm. actually, just personally. And um so I hold myself to that. You know, there's times when I'm just like, ugh, you know, about something, but then I know I, I need to do a little work there. So, <laughs> um, and that doesn't mean taking on board really things that probably everyone would agree are awful. Um, so there's there's some discernment there still.
2: Discernment, but still seeking understanding.
1: Yeah, yeah, like some, I have this sort of view about like sort of partial truths. You know, there could be a kernel. There's like, like some, you know, somewhere in there. So what is that? Mm-hmm. Um, if there's something I'm coming up against. And I think all of that also, some this kind of cultivation of goodwill towards others, like just how, ha- even if I'm not liking what someone's saying, like I'm really wanting to work on like not having my heart closed or being relationally shut off. And that's, you know, it's easy to say, because I've certainly gotten my own places where I'm feeling some resentment or Oh, I'm not liking what those people are saying, you know, or something like that, or I feel hurt or not hurt, but I feel afraid um, mm-hmm. <laughs> of what might happen if I say what I'm going to think or something like that. Um, but I kind of feel, especially looking at Braver Angels works, I feel like our pathway is like seeing the human, it sounds so mundane, but it's seeing the humanity and other people and actually moving from there um, primarily, and I'm not perfect at it by any means. I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of ongoing but that sort of seems like one of our ways out of all the division yeah,
2: yeah rehumanizing instead of dehumanizing mm-hmm.
3: uh,
2: so in our in our chat that we were having prior to this live stream, you brought up the idea of activism and what role that plays in what we're seeing today you know these movements and our culture in general and when when you first said the word activist or I, the what I immediately, immediately thought of was how, when I was in graduate school, I was shocked that as counselors, we were being told that our primary role would be that of, a, of an activist. That seemed really, that, that just seemed really antithetical to what I thought I would be doing. I thought I would be working with an individual, with one-on-one with individuals or maybe with couples or families, but not seeing myself in terms of the outward social Structures as much, and I—I I guess maybe antithetical isn't right, really the right word. There are aspects of this that's antithetical, but it, its at least—it's it, at least diagonal from. It's not—it's not where I thought I would be going. And there has been so much pressure from the social justice movement on people, adherents, to be activists, to work on changing institutions, et cetera. And so that's what my—that's where my mind went when we we talked about activism. Where—where where did that come up for you and, and how are you framing that in your mind?
1: Well, I was thinking of just some of the, the more hot, hot sort of issues of the day, um, culture war issues. And, um, we get into in detail or, or not even just culture where you might have the climate activists, like your extinction rebellion, you might have some of the more radical trans activists and there. So there's some ways that like, that's just very in the news or at least in the media I look at. Um, and I, I look at that and then I also look at causes in the past, like women getting suffrage or, you know, things like that, where there were people who bothered to take some sort of action. They didn't just sort of wait till someone said, we're going to just give this thing to you because we suddenly figured it out. Or even, you know, same sex marriage or something that there were people who were working the ground or, you know, working the crowd, whatever we want to call it. And, you know, it made me just wonder, like, one, do we need that? um if we do is there are there better ways to do it not better ways to do it when are you know you've seen the shadow side of it right um especially when there's like a pressure that everyone should be do it and in your profession it's like one would assume to be neutral is probably a good value and here you're being asked to purport or push a particular (laughs) the the right one or something so that's that's where it kind of came up for me i think a lot of it is just seeing some things happening in the world where there's a lot of, we could say the other way, you could see farmers in the Netherlands or all the people protesting in Europe. I mean, we, we might call that, I don't know if protesting is necessarily activism, but um, so I just, I just wonder about it as a phenomenon. Was there healthy versions, non-healthy versions? What do we, I don't know.
2: (laughs) I'm really interested in that distinction that you just raised protesting versus activism, because I wonder how this kind of like this this sort of channel like what we the discussions that we have where we're we're raising concerns about trends that we're seeing socially and in in a in a particular profession is that protesting is that activism how does that fit in because it is raising it is striving for something but when mm-hmm. i think of activism i sort of think of necessarily a pro- progressivism because it's a seeking a change and I don't know. I don't really have a. What do? What are other people's thoughts on this?
0: It's interesting, isn't it? Because then it, you think about change, and you think about um, the move move away from values previously previously held values. The move towards something else that seems to be inbuilt, sort of embedded within the assumptions on what activism is. But you can surely have activism that that doesn't necessarily take it have to take that into account. I, I was I was thinking when we brought up the topic that modern day activism for me feels more, more like kind of pitchfork, puritanical chase people out of village type mob, <laughs> mob activity than it does actual. Um, I mean, we, I remember growing up, um, not growing up, but like when I, when I was in my early twenties being in London and, and, you know, uh, some of the protests against, um, student, uh, student debt or like, um, student fees and things like that these felt like things that were quite close to me and my demographic at the time I guess so there was a sense in which we were protesting for something but it felt like a very different mood a very different um there were still moments where things got over like overspilled, but but and but but it felt like it just felt very different to to what we, what we consider now uh in terms of activism it didn't feel like the sort of pitchfork burn things down sort of activism we see today but then today we also see activism as being how many likes you get on twitter right or um you see in people's bios that they're an activist and you think is that activism as well I just it's an interesting one isn't it because i think there's it's got a few different definitions for it i think in different contexts in which it's used and different ways in which people celebrate each other's activism um yeah. when
2: you just have activist in your bio that seems a little mercenary you know like what is it you're striving for you're just striving to strive uh, i guess what do you think jennifer <laughs> this is funny
3: well i i immediately if i see activists i think pain in the ass <laughs> 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 not that it's always bad to be a pain in the ass sometimes it's necessary but i think I, I have a bit of a negative take on it because i do see it um at least now as essentially um sort of a movement of authoritarianism you will think this way if you don't we'll see if we can get you fired from your job um kind of you know cancel culture business so and when david was talking i sort of started thinking well is there conservative activism and is that Mm. should that be called something different um because I, i think that's sort of um where I find myself falling, not that I necessarily see myself as a conservative. I think I'm a, I don't know what I am anymore, but I think I'm a classic liberal with some sort of conservative instincts in that I don't like to um, kind of blow things up and make drastic changes without a thorough investigation of potential costs. And I do find myself wanting to preserve a lot of things in our culture that I think have worked well um, for a very, very long time and not tear those things down. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I don't think of myself as an activist. Maybe, maybe I am and I don't know it. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of people who see me as a pain in the ass. So <laughs> my former work my former workplace definitely sees me as a pain in the ass. So I, you know, I don't know but I just, I don't like the word activist.
1: Mm-hmm. It is interesting on the conservative thing. I'm sorry to jump in. I'm just thinking, I think Chris Rufo has actually, is calling himself now an activist. So, you know, he's doing his fight against, you know, CRT and DEI and such, and he's choosing that word um, probably intentionally. Um, so it seems like there's at least one.
2: Mm-hmm. That's well, really maybe, interesting.
1: Sorry, maybe sorry, that
3: a little more positive. Um Con, you know associations with that word if people like christopher rufo are using it then maybe i might have a better feeling about it
0: maybe we should all use it after this we, we should all put it in our bios after today right <laughs> i guess on that level then is it just is act could activism be yeah raising awareness about a social issue raising awareness so that you can Raise up the voice, <laughs> certain voices, or you know, it could still be exactly sort of some of the activism you hear when you hear sort of people saying, "Oh, we need to decenter this, or we need to raise the voices here." We're we're doing all that anyway, aren't we? We're just not taking the, we, We're doing it from our point of view. We're not necessarily, but it is it is flavored, isn't it, with 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 left wing authoritarianism at the moment.
2: Well, the new was it the new Oxford dictionary new oxford american dictionary defines activist as a person who campaigns to bring about political or social change and so it seems like according to that definition and according to the connotation that we all have it's it is necessarily sort of a progressive thing it's a, let's change the norms let's change the customs and so by that definition could there be such thing as a conservative activist if a conservative is somebody who wants to preserve a standing cultural um, institution, norm, whatever custom, I I wonder what that would then be called.
1: Like, I don't know, so, like, how about the pro-life people? Like, I don't know what they call themselves if say they're out campaigning, whatever, speaking, like, I don't know what they refer to themselves as.
2: That's a good, good question.
0: I was going to say it's um it's a bit frustrating to think that anyone can t- sort of stake their claim on what what's progressive and in, in some ways do you know what I mean like because what would that be i guess a conservative one would be you you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily have to um go on a protest and march for something unless it was being challenged elsewhere if you were conservative so i guess what but you wouldn't want to call that anti-activism would you or something like that you'd want to you want to be like no no i'm pro something so yeah Anyway, we're getting into kind of language games now, aren't
2: we? Well, it's really interesting because, I I mean, when we think of liberal or conservative, we think about like Democrat and Republican, but really liberal and conservative are, and I don't know, David, if that's what you think of because you have different party system there slightly. Um, Mm. But each issue, if you think about conservative versus progressive, could be evaluated on its own. So it would just be progressive against the tide of current, Day custom right so if pro life is the example then if the custom is that a certain thing is allowable in a culture say abortion is allowable in a culture and you're wanting to change that are you not the progressive one at that point and am I, know, I getting am no, I getting no. deeply in the weeds here
0: no 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 what's what's coming up for me and I know I'm being a bit sort of difficult here but I'm just thinking all of the progressive activists some of the most annoying ones are the ones that believe themselves to be pushing against a completely mischaracterized idea of what society is. So Mm. society is racist and therefore I am the freedom fighter. And it's like, you have completely misdiagnosed what's going on. Well, not completely, but you've, your 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 whole thing is based on the premise that's that's not well thought through that's a low resolution way of thinking about it and you've pretty much put on your activism armor started a fire on the end of your pole and you've marched out and we're the guys going guys before you run over everything and destroy a few things and start a few fires in your local community maybe you should consider whether or not you've actually you are actually being as progressive as you think you are or you even know what you're talking about <laughs>
2: I think that's a really good point because they are a lot of the time, it seems like they're, they're chasing paper tigers. I mean, these things are, are oversimplified and and then draped in front of them, like a, like a red cape in front of a bowl.
1: <laughs> I don't know if it's too soon to do this, but there's, I, I know of two examples of activism that I feel is done in perhaps a more um, healthier or maybe successful manner and I mean I would argue the the general approach say for the for same-sex marriage I think of if you listen to um Andrew Sullivan and then Jonathan Rausch, who um really worked in that and they did it in a way that was very much like oh, sort of open friendly they they wanted to dialogue with churches they wanted to go talk to people who had objections to it and they wanted to do it in a way that was not like accusing them or or you know um telling them they're wrong or they're terrible. And so they they did it in this, this kind of, again, this sort of like relational way. Um, and they got a lot of goodwill from that in doing it that way. And I'm also thinking of the citizens climate lobby. They've actually done a lot of using braver angels training for having dialogues. And so they've really worked their skills of having conversations that don't believe about climate change or don't, you know, and instead of going up against them as though these terrible people you are, fill in the blank, negative words, Um, they'll kind of take, they might even revisit their own position or they might go, I didn't know that information or so it's dialogic um, and relational in nature. And I don't know how much, I don't have the results of their inroads. We kind of know where same sex marriage went, but I think people like that, that maybe see a need for something to change that are going about it that way um, versus some of these extreme, like we're going to throw paint on your whatever, we're going to scream at you or punch you or <laughs> mob you or something like that. Like that does not win anybody over, really. So I think there's a way to potentially do this that maybe there's a humility, like maybe going into it with a certain humility. I I'm Maybe I'm going to learn. Um, I'm not going to act like a jerk.
2: Well, that's right. interesting because it brings up the, the question of what activities uh, comprise the, the concept of act, what, are you, what are you doing if you're an activist? And if mm. the definition, the definition, uh, the verb was campaigns, the, a person who campaigns for. Mm. So what is a campaign? Is it necessarily something that's super contentious or could it be more like what you're talking about? Just being dedicated to having dialogue that you know, works towards opening people's mind on a particular issue. And in that case, I mean, that softens the concept of activism a little bit.
0: I was just thinking about Daryl Davis as you guys are talking as well. I'm thinking about his, you know, conversion of God knows how, how many, I don't know how many Ku Klux Klan members it is now he's converted. But the, the fact that his, his model is very dialogical, isn't it? It's very much about understanding the human, going in with the questions of saying, you can't hate, well, how do you hate me if you don't know me? And then just starting from there, maybe even a Socratic entrance into this conversation, but one that's very human based And is that is that would that not be activism? Because he's not he's not chanting anything, he's not throwing things. <laughs> I don't know. It's interesting. Well, it it does seem
2: a, like that would be, wouldn't it? It's a campaign <laughs> and he's trying to change something in a social milieu.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he's got activism on his Twitter, Twitter file. <laughs> He's not, maybe he's got, maybe he has humility, which I don't know which, which one of you said that Leslie or Deborah, but Deborah. humility. Yeah, mm-hmm. how, how effective is your activism and and, and, and having conversations with people and, and on the opposite side of the corridor, you know, it's like, yeah, One. What, it wouldn't be lovely if our, if our culture started to really celebrate that in, a, in, in more of a way, um, but yeah.
2: Yeah, and genuine curiosity and, and humanity. In the conversation you guys want to check in on the chat thank you for joining us everybody who's in the chat let's see oswald spengler says techno medievalism which hunts techno medievalism that's an interesting idea he's talking about your pitchfork and your and your torch wow. david <laughs> yeah oceana 23 says rufo knows that the language of activism can easily be flipped uh-huh. and and friar Pessel says hey y'all hello friar Pessel. Christiana 23 says, uh, Lindsay co opts the Maoist vocabulary of anti revolutionary. That's interesting.
0: Is it James Lindsay?
2: Mm-hmm, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Adam Radley says, Progress is defined by the proximity to an ideal. Therefore, everyone considers themselves progressive. Interesting. Right.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, even Deborah, you even introduced yourself. I think as someone who considered us. I had
1: someone. been. <laughs> no, I yeah, don't know. <laughs> it, it was
0: interesting. You were progressive. Now you're not so much. So maybe I don't know if there's anything you can talk to on that that makes you feel like. Oh, that, I. I don't want to it.
1: monopolize the whole thing. I mean, this is this is something I've been thinking about deeply, but I feel a little like self-con. Let's just say what I will say yeah. is I I'm t- listening and taking in things from people who, like like Mary Harrington who what did she call herself a feminist, reactionary, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really contemplating a lot of things and question, you know, what are my first principles where, you know, so I, I don't really know where I am exactly, but I, it's almost like, I didn't even know, you know, you're in a fishbowl and you don't know you're in it and you kind of go out and you're like, oh, you know, I only had this universe that was so big and now I'm stepping back. I'm not sure where I land, but I'm not. You know, there's a lot of things I'm wondering about. So that's where I'm at with it. Um, I don't take as a given. Oh, if we do this solution, that's going to fix it. Um, if We go this way, that's what we need to do. Um, like I don't know. I have many more questions about things that we that might have been done. Name progressive that might have. You know, the secondary effects or whatever um, that might have been harmful. And it's still, in the end of the day, it might be on net. Maybe it's better. I don't know. This is where I don't know how to calculate. Um, what's That's, good or bad? What's on net? How do we know? Sort of thing. But I'm I'm open to being I'm open to thinking that something that I thought really was good and a positive might not be.
0: Yeah, um, it, it sounds like. It, I mean, uh, this is something that I don't know how often you want to bring up Karl Marx in a in a in a in, a, <laughs> in the in the spheres that we're in because sometimes it can probably feel a little bit like I'm not in Marxism again, but. But like the whole praxis idea of not 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 um you you can't be content to understand the world you have to change it that feels like a very progressive I well I don't know if you'd say progressive but it's about change as opposed to understanding the world and I was just thinking like on my course so many. So many of so many times when we get out of thinking about individual individualist sort of psychologist ideas or, or psychology ideas, we get into sort of now we're going to embed culture into whatever frame we're talking about. It feels like we just handpick something from a Marxist lineage of ideas, and then we talk about culture in that way. And it's like, yeah, okay, well. 've now we've now abdicated the old uh, trying to understand the world bit we've now we've now pushed that to one side a little bit haven't we we've kind of gone um, that big big thing society that's really complicated don't worry we've got we've got sort of a Marxist deflected lens to look at that and uh, we can talk about redistribution and these sorts of things and now it becomes activists and I feel that I feel that sometimes when I'm in the course on the courses there's a moment where we've talked about, a specific service a particular 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 kind of psychological model or even a type of mental health issue and then we're trying to embed it in cultural the cultural milieu of whatever we're going to call it now we're going to th- think from a Marxist point of view and it's like and uh, yeah I just think it's we're off topic suddenly we, we, we don't need to be in on this on this viewpoint does that make sense kind of
2: <laughs> yeah no it's, it's it's interesting it's this weird layer that's being added in where we have to consider that, um, and we're being asked to continually consider that. Um, mm-hmm. What I'm wondering is, it, it's so interesting how we've, there's so many people who resonate with the kind of conversation that that we keep having, uh, this, this, this sort of segment of the population that's been politically disenfranchised, you know, Sorry, I'm kind of taking it on a tangent off of what you said, David, but that just makes me think like how many people have had their minds shifted and, I don't know, do you wanna call it opened? It sounds a little bit arrogant to say, but um, maybe not. I don't know.
3: I I think there's also a lot of people that feel really politically homeless because a lot, I meet all the time people who've always you know, grew up in families where they considered themselves to be very liberal, perhaps quite left-leaning, and they felt like the Democrats were really the party of the people who cared about the working class and the middle class, who cared about the poor, who cared about women's issues, and a lot of people are now feeling like that's no longer the case, and that their party has become something that doesn't really embody their values and that it's almost um, an entity that they don't recognize and because of that I think that people then shifted and started exposing themselves to maybe some more uh, what we would have thought of at least yeah I guess what we all thought of as more conservative ideas or more slightly right-wing ideas and um, I mean in a sense that's been mind-opening for a lot of people. And, but I also think there's a there's sort of a loss that people are feeling like they're they're displaced and mm. their party has become something that they don't know what the heck it is.
0: How, how much of this do you think as well is this conflation of the idea that this I've heard so many people say this, that uh, the, um, you know, the, the Posey Parker or whatever in was it New Zealand recently, like that she's obviously she's branded like a Nazi and a fascist and stuff, but but the but people defending, um, uh, very upset, angry LGBTQ tr- activists, if you like, is to say, well, you know, this is a bit like 10, ten years ago, um, uh, someone coming out, you know, fighting for gay rights, fighting for, for sexual, and it's like that that conflation does so much work, I think, because it's not quite the same thing, is it? It's not the same thing, and yet. This need for progress, this need to push things is what certain parties like the Labour Party in England, the Democrat Party in the US have just gone. Yeah, OK, so that's the next that's the next rung of the ladder. That's the next layer that we need to kick the door down for. That's the next next set of oppressed individuals. And they've just kind of gone. That's that's it. And it's for me, that's not enough. It's, it's not enough to do that. And it's so easy to say, well, in the 1960s, if you're if you're a black person, you'd be fighting for your rights. And it's like, no, they're not the same thing. I don't think. And that's the compare the difference between the civil rights of the 1960s and today, I'd say.
2: Well, that's kind of the moral bankruptcy in the mercenary activism, right? Like just I'm an activist for the sake of activism. We're just going to keep on plowing forward, pushing the next, pushing the next. It's not about your value. It's about pushing down boundaries at that point. The way that you're describing it, that's what I'm Ooh. that's what I'm kind of envisioning.
1: It's that liberation. Um it was not like Foucault was so big, but it's like this constant, like as though the ultimate goal is some sort of ultimate liberation. And I just, I have more of a, well, not just an Eastern spirituality orientation, but it's like, I mean, so much liberation in that system is that you're, you don't let everything your mind says that you believe it. Like it's a, it's a very internal job, how you get free. And in the activist, um, certain leftist view, not all, but it is this, this is though the world is just so, oppressive and we must be liberated from that instead of our own responses to not that there isn't you know people were imprisoned and in chains and like I think we would want to mm-hmm. do something about that like those are more obvious but then when it gets in a subtler and subtler place where we're, we're conceiving of people being enslaved or trapped or something which is I think more of an inside in some cases more of an inside job than some sort of external thing. And so they just, it seems like they keep looking for another external thing to consider the problem.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm. And Jay Bourne yeah. says in the chat, Jennifer, echoed exactly what you were saying. Uh, I think you guys even said it at the same time. I saw the po- pop-up <laughs> says, I see more and more folks in these anti-woke and anti-mandate discussions claiming that they used to be progressive or politi- politically homeless. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, um, that, sorry, I, I kind of threw that in right in the middle of the thought that you were gonna to respond to um, Deborah.
1: Oh, I finished what I was saying, so. Yeah, the,
2: yeah. Um, what was, do you wanna take it from there, David? What was, do you have any thought about what Deborah was saying? It kind of, yeah, kind of backs off I was, of yours.
0: No, I just enjoyed what you're saying, Deborah, about the sort of the fact that it's, the, it's this um, need to liberate from the norms of society and, and how postmodernism did Quite a lot for I don't know thinking about mental disorders maybe as a spectrum rather than as categories, but um, uh, it's just yeah it just feels like it's 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 right it's kind of cranked up to, to <laughs> ridiculous levels at the moment. People are just trying to yeah activism for the sake of activism, and um, we're, we're we're talking about progress and I'm not sure we know what what, what that progress actually means. Um, It's uh, it's very, very, very reductive at the moment.
3: Yeah, This does not feel at all to me like the um, sort of 1960s civil rights movement. I think it's I don't believe at all that what we are seeing now is a continuation of that. I think um, I mean, they may have taken some elements and are u- and are using it that way and potentially disguising it that way. But I don't think that's what this is. I, I do see this as really an attempt um, at a cultural revolution and really to tear down the existing system and to replace it with God knows what, because that's always poorly defined. Utopians always have a very difficult time explaining how things are going to work. But I, I really think we have sort of a, Um, there's a sort of spirit of Maoism involved in the movements that we're seeing today, where it's not um, really the sort of very civilized powers of persuasion and dialogue that Deborah was talking about, but where it's an attempt to bully people um, and silence people and squash dissent and if possible, ruin people's careers and they're stripped them of their livelihood simply for disagreeing, even, even though most people are, you know, saying, Hey, you do you that's fine. Here's how I think about, about this topic. Here's how I think about sex or gender, but that's not okay. It's like people wanting to control the very thoughts in other people's heads. Um, and also there's this, I think aided in part by, um, technology and social media, there's sort of the corporate and governmental participation in this where corporations are all, you know, I mean, basically they're figuring out how they can make money off of it, but they're also playing a role in this that I don't know was present um, during the civil rights movement. And there's also what you were saying earlier, Deborah, about the sort of a different view of liberation. And, you know, I've read a very small amount, but I've read a little bit of queer theory and they were talking about how reality and the present are prisons and Mm -hmm. that we have to mash through these things. So there's this sort of destructive, um, I don't know, narcissistic impulse that has overcome the West, I think, in certain groups where boundaries in and of themselves are regarded as a negative and something to be torn down, including very basic um, sexual boundaries. You know, the boundaries of age of consent. There's people um, who've embraced queer theory that are also really pushing this and this immense interest in children's sexuality and making sure that they meet drag queens and telling them when they're in kindergarten that they only they know what their gender is and and they they can select it and then let the adults know you know so children are going to dictate to adults now which is the tearing down of another boundary Um, it's it i don't i don't really know what to say about it other than it's completely unsettling and I don't know that it, if we follow that trajectory, I don't think it leads anywhere good. And I think that the uh, civil rights movement did lead somewhere very, very good. And this I see as um, sort of the road to hell, so to speak. There's my
1: cheerful thoughts for the day. <laughs> I was so that's sorry. a tough one. Oh, go ahead, David.
0: No, go on, David.
1: No, I, someone was been tweeting, I was, I've seen people tweeting about this. I mean, it's so tricky because I would say I would want the civil rights movement. I'd want what happened there, you know, and and then but that someone was saying once you have these protected classes and we even wanted women as protected class in some sense. But then it does have this setup for starting to have other things get protected that we might not. And I don't know. I don't know whether it's just when it, those things sometimes you have that are a mixed bag or should you have never done them? Um, I, I sit with that one because I, I can't imagine going back to 1964 and saying we shouldn't have done some of the things we did there in terms of at least those immediate bunches decade or two or three, you know, after seemed good. I don't know if there's something wrong in the design of it. I, I haven't thought about it enough yet, but I do have that concern when people say we should never have had the, the, you know, protected classes. And I'm like, Ooh, I don't know. How do I think about that? Um,
3: I yeah. don't know if you guys have thought about
1: it that's similar thinking about it
3: potentially is rather than, than framing it as protective classes, frame it as every group is protected from discrimination.
2: Mm.
0: That's
3: how, that's how I think is the most fair way of, um, exercising those principles. Cause there's been some questions as to well, can white people be discriminated against? And some people say no, because they're not a protected class which then if you don't have the protection, you very quickly end up being an exploited class. So those principles of, you know, not discriminating against people based on immutable characteristics, I think have to be extended to everybody.
2: But then by, if you, by that logic, can you create new groups and then create new forms of discrimination that you accuse people of sort of like with one thing I keep seeing with like the trans activists is this idea that people are erasing trans people and that trans people don't have basic human rights and that their existence is being denied. And so that's a framing of it in those exact terms that they're framing it like we are a group that's being discriminated against. And here's here's how. So
0: it makes me think that I was thinking as you were saying, even as you were saying protected classes a little bit, I was thinking so protected from what? And like, do we mean protected? Because I guess what you're saying is, what we have people, we have groups of people that we just want to wrap up in cotton wool and protect them. Like, is like, because, like, Camille Paglia was talking about um, women's rights uh, from 34 years ago, and she's she made quite a bold statement. She sort of says, "I wanted to fight for the rights to to go to, for women to go out, live their lives, and risk getting raped." She said because she said th- that what we were having before was the idea that we were such fragile creatures that we would we would be set upon by any person who might want to at any point so we were like you know not allowed out of the the house after a certain time or not considered to have you know need to be weak we were considered to be sort of vulnerable all all the time but she was obviously fighting to say we don't have to be seen as vulnerable we don't have to be seen in that way and therefore we can we can we can grow we can build and we can become something something more Um, and it just makes me think yeah, are we doing that with these protected classes? <laughs> I don't know.
1: And that's tricky on the women one, right? Because on the other hand, we might say we do want—you know—some women might want like same-sex faces, yeah, sex, right? And they want that because they're women; they want their protection, right? So it's, a, it's a, that's a double-edged one, I think. Mm. Um, but she—I get you're saying like she doesn't want to infantilize anybody, right? If we're sort of saying men and women are equal, and then we're going, oh, but. We're gonna treat you still like a child or something. That's not really yeah. getting you there.
0: No, and, and I mean also you, you when you when people say that, like you said, Leslie, people are being erased. You, you kind of go, in what way are people being erased? Like, you know, and that's what how the, the Posy Parker thing was was framed was that she was erasing trans people. I saw it on the news in in New Zealand. I think the local news. I was interested in seeing what how they report it, and they were they, they were saying that she's actually trying to erase people, and it's like. No, no, she, she really is just talking about women's spaces um, and she is talking about the definition of women, but somehow it's erasing someone else uh, in the process. Yeah,
2: yeah it's interesting. And it also, uh, you know, in all this, I think about the more people who've been more on the conservative side for a long time will raise the, the slippery slope idea with a lot of these um, movements like the marriage equality movement, for instance, people will say, well, we could have seen this coming. Once you allow gay marriage, then you've opened the door to, and they'll name a whole bunch of other cultural sexual boundaries. There's, well, now we're going to have bestiality. Now we're going to have pedophilia now, you know, and so that, and so you've got all these, I told you so's now from the group that saw that as a natural, progression of boundary destruction versus what you're saying Jennifer and Deborah about how it does seem like there's some like you can you can conceive of a moral pin that could be dropped on a certain at a certain point and say okay well these things were valuable and have been a societal good but that's where we should have stopped we could have stopped here and so how do we how do we determine that how does a culture determine where that pin can be dropped how much is too much how much freedom is is good for for people to enjoy and how much you know constraint do we need socially
3: that's the I think that's the tension right I mean and Jordan Peterson would probably frame it as the tension between order and chaos and he says you very much need both and I think that's true and you need different groups pushing for that Um, hopefully pushing through conversation and dialogue and persuasion. But I do, I do actually believe in slippery slope arguments. I actually do believe them. Um, And I used to scoff at them. And I thought conservative Christians were out of their minds. And I thought they were bigots. And I feel extremely humbled by it because I think that in many ways they have largely been Proven right. I think the floodgate gates have opened. And um, I think we're having a lot of negative repercussions to some of the changes that we've made. That um, I'm not necessarily blaming those changes, but I'm saying there doesn't seem to be an end point at which people say, hey, we more or less have a um, reasonable society. It could use a little tweaking here and there, but things are more or less reasonable. And I mean, in terms of what you're saying earlier too, Leslie about like the, um, you know, protected classes and immutable characteristics. I don't, when I say immutable characteristics, I'm thinking of race and I'm thinking of sex and sex being male and female. I don't perceive trans to be an immutable characteristic. I consider it I mean, it's highly, obviously highly malleable if you're having hormones and surgeries to change your appearance, to match a subjective sense that you have. So I don't see that as something immutable, nor do I see it immutable that you know some people consider themselves to be other kids. Mm-hmm. Um, meaning sort of non-human or that they identify as a furry. And that's fine because I don't care what thoughts are in other people's heads. People may certainly do as they like, but I don't think those things are immutable characteristics.
2: And it sounds like that's, that's I don't think kind you, of,
3: oh, sorry. I don't think you can compare being, you know, identifying yourself as trans to something like the, um, racial background that you're born into i i don't view those as analogous
2: and that argument seems like that's what's being debated by some of the activists on that side that that is the kind of the crux of the the conflict where they'll say no there is such a thing as a the you know and this gets this is like opening up a can because we're right here, like at the end of our live stream talking about this issue, which could go on for hours, but they'll, they'll say, no, they're, you know, born, they'll use the born this way kind of concept. No, I am. And there've been trans people all throughout history. They just didn't have access to the right kind of care to give them the gender affirmation that they needed. And, you know, it just seems like that once, if you open up, the possibility for like protected groups and Im- what what is an immutable characteristic, you're gonna have people who want to play with that language. And I yeah. it just seems like it's a it's a malleable concept in some people's minds.
1: Interesting. It's part of your anchoring on identity and like subjectivity. I mean, I guess you're saying there's an argument it's not subjective, it's it's objective or something, like someone might claim that identity. But once we start having identities versus like, I don't know, this is, <laughs> this yeah. is who I am. <laughs> um, that's a slippery slope. I mean.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: What do you think, David?
3: Yeah. <laughs> I
0: agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not sure I'm not sure where to go cuz I'm sure we could open this up quite a
1: bit. I know, I know.
2: It's a yeah. it's a big meaty one.
1: I thought I'll go back to one of the, just on the activist thing a little bit which might it's a little bit going off where we are right now, but it was one of the things I said when we before we got on the live stream which was um and maybe we define all activists as not having this interior state, I don't know, but I was revisiting a quote by somebody um what's his name? Bill O'Brien, he was used to be like a CEO of an insurance company. But he said something about the success of an intervention depends on the interior condition of the intervener. And like, so often, at least we see our conception of activists or people who are largely in kind of a us them thinking, fighting the big bad, whatever. So there's, there may be some reality to what's happening, but there it seems to me there's often a lot of projection, like psychologically. And so there's not, the person isn't coming from kind of a, like a centered state and therefore what they're trying to do is, is probably not taking into consideration, you know, the entire environment, the complex system. And that's just likely whatever they're doing to set off reactions on the other side and just, you know, or potentially have a solution that actually is worse than the problem, you know, or something like that. And so we, I don't know if we see a lot of people taking action who aren't engaged in that. I don't want to say there aren't any, because I want to have the possibility that there are, and I'm not aware of it. And they certainly aren't getting like, you know, on social media and being, you know, <laughs> not getting a lot of attention. They're quietly doing their thing. No, that's a really good point. I
2: I like that, that framework. It, it And it reminds me of, I think David said it earlier about Jordan Peterson's clean your room thing. Um, I mean, it sounds like that, like kind of get your get your own head right, get your thinking right before you go trying to make changes in other other things. I mean, it's a similar concept, but and pointing out that people in some of the movements we're seeing right now are really engaging in a lot of splitting, a lot of projection, a lot of um, really pretty dysfunctional thinking.
0: Yeah, and to some people, activism is... I'm upset, and I'm going to scream out loud and throw something or something. You know, it's 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 infantile in some ways, isn't it? But it's a kind of case of this. The culture feels like it's encouraging people to do that, and it's certainly doing that on on the course that I'm on. Um, mm. And the, the the course staff don't know what to do about it. We, they've it feels like they've set up set the scene for this to allow people to just lean into lean into their sort of emotional reactions and not and not in any way sort of encourage those people and I'm not saying it would be an easy thing to do uh, I may you know my heart goes out to some of them in some ways to try and help steer some of these individuals who've got a f- we've got a few unprocessed things potentially to to consider consider whether or not they have some responsibilities some level in which they are creating the very conditions that that they seem to be railing against and it's it is it's all it's I think Debra mentioned it earlier it's it feels like an unintegrated shadow type thing that's going on on the course Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah you
1: know i sorry concern me too like seeing not all of them but some of the SEL curricula kind of come across my eyeballs and um, I can't say it's again, all of it, but I've seen some of it where it's actually trying to get children upset, like telling them about an injustice, showing them a very sad story about some sort of oppressed um, group or whatever. And then actually wanting the children to like write and like almost get like, how sad are you? How angry are you about this? And like to actually try to like harness children's upset like on purpose to get them to be activists. And I just feel like that just feels really abusive.
0: And that's the uh, gaslighting yeah. part of it, isn't it? Of kind of going, and th- this work is going to be hard. It's going to be troublesome. And it's, it's, or it's going to, it's going to, it's almost like the emotion validates the, 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 the process, the, 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 I don't know, <laughs> but it's so, it seems so backward. And it feels again, sorry to come back to my course, but it seems so backward for, for us as psychologists or trainee psychologists to be, to be doing that <laughs> to each other. Um and I, I just know that even I've had personally some some teachers or facilitators of groups and things say to me that this is going to be troublesome and it is going to be hard, and you have to get comfortable with these feelings. And I'm just thinking that just feels very, um, yeah, gaslighty. Um, well,
2: yeah, it's it's a deliberate cultivation of a sense of moral superiority and moral outrage and if you disagree with it they've got that written right in that's that's the answer is well you sit with your sit with your difficult feelings mm-hmm. and so it's there's no way to argue intellectually against it because they already have their response packaged for you mm-hmm. yeah well I, <laughs> guess, <laughs> I guess we're at the end Here of our end. hour <laughs> that's abrupt yeah have a great day (laughs) keep up the good fight yeah (laughs) yeah Uh, Deborah, thank you very much for joining us today I hope you you can join us again in the future that'd be really fun to have you again thank you and uh, thanks for a great conversation does anybody have any final like thoughts does anybody have a beautiful way to wrap this up in a bow so we can go have a good day (laughs)
0: Come on, after our kids. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sorry, yeah. um. Jennifer's good for this. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer's got us. Come on, Jennifer.
3: I have nothing to say for myself. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I'm on one of these live streams, I worry. Like, is this the live stream where people are going to show up at my house afterwards? With
2: Oh, Jay in the chat. Jay says kittens. Yes, Kitten. kittens. Yes. Oh,
0: kittens. Kittens. kittens, well, kittens. Yeah. Yes,
2: right. that's a good one. All well, wait, right. Wait,
0: wait. I like the idea, Leslie, that you, you you introduced slightly earlier. You hinted at the idea that perhaps we we could consider ourselves activists. And I think what we've we've learned a little bit is that the definition of activism, or even the definition of progress, is still. still ongoing and certainly certainly we can potentially label ourselves and redefine that um i'm not going to put it in my twitter bio because i'm not on twitter but um if people would like to come join the activist movement come to solid ground
1: (laughs) (laughs) be an active activist (laughs)
2: that's
0: it subscribe guys
2: and be an activist by having conversations
0: yeah that's with nuance progressive yeah yeah Awesome. I think, I, I think Aisha Kambi said something like, like in this day and age to be tolerant of other people's opinions is is to be radical, to be radically radical, to be radical. Oh, I'm messing up now. but she said something like that, go check it out.
2: <laughs> I like it. I'm all about the radical centrism. So yeah. works good. Awesome. Well, lovely to talk with you all today.
3: Thank you. Okay. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye.